Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. It's time for the Gun Guy TV podcast. Hi, I'm Joel Persinger. I'm the Gun Guy. Welcome to the Gun Guy TV Firearms Podcast. Thank you very much for hanging out with me for an hour. I'm going to get into some great stuff on this podcast, the first half of which is the actually the first half of an interview that I did with Sam Paredes the other day. We talked about what's coming in the state of California for 2022 as the legislature returns and starts to work again as if they ever actually work. They work to our detriment, unfortunately. I'm going to split that one-hour interview into two podcasts. So the first half of it will be on this podcast, and the second half, the remaining half, will be in the next podcast, all free and available for you publicly. I do want to remind you that this podcast each time is about one hour long. The first half an hour is available free on your favorite podcast player. That's where you're going to hear that interview. The second half is exclusively for members of the Gun Guy TV crew. Now, if you would like to join the Gun Guy TV crew for behind-the-scenes content, direct access to me, exclusive videos, and posts pretty much every day, Monday through Friday, unless I'm sick like I am right now, and so that you can listen to the entire podcast each episode, because it's an hour long, you can do that by going to GunGuyTVCrew.com or using the link in the description. Now, without further ado, let's get to the first part of the podcast, which is the interview with Sam Paredes. Sam, my friend, thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. We're getting started on a brand new year, which means, I suspect, that we're getting started on probably a refresh of some old battles and some brand new ones. And the legislature, I understand, is either coming back or is back, one of the two. This begins the boxing match. What is happening in the state of California? Well, we, we've already had our, our gloves on for a little while. <laughs> the legislature, being the eager anti-gun beavers that they are, are already proposing new legislation, including carrying forward some of the old legislation. The only thing that we know that they for sure want to move forward to this legislative year is the excise tax on ammunition and, and firearms purchases they're going to be they're going to have a, a quite rude awakening if they continue to pursue that they haven't been able to acquire the two-thirds supermajority in both houses in order to pass that because there are just enough middle of the road pro-business moderate democrats who represent rather tenuous districts who don't want that issue to be a campaign issue in, during their re-election. So they have kind of held the line. Assemblyman Adam Gray being the leader, he's been a pro-2A stalwart guy. He's our lead uh, Democrat member of the assembly. Good guy, good guy, good staff, solid. He understands the Second Amendment. Then as a result of the Supreme Court dealing with the Texas abortion case that set Governor Newsom on his ear, and ranting and raving, and of course, given that it's 
an abortion issue, the first thing he knee jerks to is, I'm going to apply this to guns. And so the legislature has sponsored a, just recently a bill that that will allow the firearms manufacturers and anybody in the chain of commerce of, of firearms to be sued for gun violence. They're just taking federal law and casting it to the wind. Even though this bill has been introduced, it's a spot bill with very few details in it right now. Uh, it's bad and it's going to get worse, no question about it, as they try to figure out how to get their arms around the issue. Their arms, frankly, aren't big enough to get around the issue because they're prohibited by federal law from doing what they want to do. But Well, I think the other thing, if I, if I may just comment on sure. that, because it, one of the things that struck me about that, first of all, there is a federal prohibition, as you point out, against suing manufacturers, firearms manufacturers, for their products actually being used in criminal activity because you don't sue a, a car manufacturer because somebody used their car as a getaway car after robbing the bank. So that it, there is protection for that because it seems to be the only kind of manufacturer anybody wants to sue. But one of the things I find interesting about the Texas law versus this, what they're trying to do here, the idea in Texas is allowing individuals to sue a provider of abortions if they violate the Texas law rather than Texas as a as a government enforcing mm -hmm. it. It's enforced by individuals. Where I find that interesting, and I'm going to make a lot of enemies here probably, is that the court really concocted a right to abortion out of thin air by reading the statute and saying, well, sort of, yeah, that's a right when they passed Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. The difference is that there is nothing in the Bill of Rights or in the list of our constitutional rights from one down to the bottom where there is a codified, written out right to have an abortion. That is in contrast to the Second Amendment, which is not only in the Bill of Rights, but it's the second one, which is very boldly written as numero dos saying that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So I suspect that while there's a, there's a chance that the Texas law might survive constitutional scrutiny in the courts, what they're trying to do in California has no chance of doing so. Would you agree? Yeah. That you, you've got it. You hit the nail on the head. What, what the court did with the, with the Texas case is it didn't declare it the practice legal what it said is they were not going to issue a stay in preventing the Texas law from going into effect while the case is going through the legal process. So the legal, the case is still ongoing. They just didn't issue a stay. And that is what Newsom flipped about. He, he wanted the, the Texas law to be stayed so that it would not go into effect while the case was going through. That's the reality of that case. And you are absolutely correct. The Second Amendment is an enumerated right. And if you read the writings of our founding fathers, it was the Second Amendment for a very particular reason. First, they established the First Amendment, the right to speech, the right to religion, the right to assemble. Uh, those things were some of the primary things that they were fighting against Britain. The egregious overstepping by the, the British government on the rights of law-abiding citizens to do those things. And they the writings of our founding fathers demonstrate that they felt that the only way to protect those very important rights is to guarantee that the citizenry was armed. 
And that's why the Second Amendment is so important, because it protects the first. And frankly, it protects all of the other amendments. And they write extensively about the fact that these are not rights that are granted by the Constitution, but they pre-existed the Constitution and were granted to us by our creator. Like it or not, that is what they said. That was their intent. And that is what the Supreme Court has to, to make their judgments on, knowing that information. That's why we are very optimistic in some of the cases that are going before the Supreme Court right now. So here in California, they want to allow people to sue gun manufacturers. But you're right. They also want to allow the government to sue manufacturers. And they're trying to be tricky-dicky. They're saying, yeah, there are some exemptions to the, to the, the federal law in that if, if a firearms company uh, commits a crime or does something in violation of state law that they can be they can be sued. Well, if they violate the law right now, they can already be sued. That right has always been there. If somebody commits a crime, they can be sued, period. That's what it is. But they're using that as the crack, the fingernail grip that they're trying to establish to be able to pursue this and push it into a you know an area heretofore unforeseen or unexperienced. And we know that their intent is to try to bankrupt firearms manufacturers, not to say that bring them into compliance with the law. They're already law-abiding. They have undergo the legal rectal exam on a regular basis to make sure that they comply with all of the laws. And year after year after year, uh, gun companies have been found to comply with the law. My argument when Governor Newsom had his tantrum was that, okay, as you mentioned, that means that we should be able to allow people to sue automobile manufacturers when somebody drives recklessly and injures or kills somebody, or more specifically, we should have the right to sue Governor Newsom because he owns a winery. Abuse of alcohol, absolutely. That's <laughs> yeah. right, whether it's, it's, it's uh, domestic abuse or drunk driving or causing diabetes or, or alcoholism of our all those things, we should be able to sue him for this and his winery. It doesn't pass the chuckle test. So when the legislative proposal was put over the desk, the governor said, it's not enough. We have to be tougher. We have to create more opportunities for people to sue firearms manufacturers. And the legal terminology that they're using is so vague and ambiguous, you can drive a Mack truck through it as to what would constitute a violation of state laws. They want to have the ability to declare firearms a nuisance. under state law, so that they can sue the manufacturers of Newsom's items. Newsom, not Newsom governor. No, no, you you got it right. Newsom is a nuisance. I've been calling him Governor Nuisance for a long time. (laughs) So that is going to be a major effort and attention. And frankly, there are a bunch of members. For those listeners in California, across the nation, actually, we're going to run elections under new districts. We had something called redistricting or reapportionment, where all of the Districts were redrawn as they're required to be done every 10 years under state and federal laws across the country. And so that a lot of members are running in new districts with new representation. And the last thing they want to do is have a hot wire issue like gun control is one that they have to take positions on, especially knowing that, that we have millions of new gun owners in the state of California and they're not all Republicans. As a matter of fact, most of them aren't. So that's going to be a campaign issue that a lot of these members who are concerned about their 
next election uh, that they don't want to have that issue on the plate. I'll be right back with more with Sam Paredes in just a moment. If you carry a gun or keep a gun for home defense, you'll find yourself with some serious legal battles if you ever have to use it to defend yourself. That's where second call defense comes in. I've used second call defense for years, and I recommended it to my students that entire time. There are a lot of options out there, but I urge you, before you decide, check out second call defense. You'll find them by using the link in the description of this podcast, or you can visit my website at gunguide.tv to find out more. Second call defense. The opinions expressed by the gun guy are always right, unless they're wrong. You've mentioned redistricting a couple times, and I'm not sure how that works in California, but my understanding is that the state legislatures do this, don't they? And and if that's the case, the Democrats sort of have the right to do whatever they want, and that kind of screws us, no? That used to be the way it was in the state of California, was the single most political act that uh, politicians could do is to draw their own districts, and they used to negotiate so that they can guarantee that they have majority districts and they could reward their friends by drawing these gerrymandered districts where it looked like a lizard or the hourglass in order to get the right population of people to vote for a particular candidate. In the state of California, we passed a constitutional initiative that established an independent commission of commissioners that are basically drawn out of a hat. They have to meet certain criteria. They cannot be elected officials. They cannot be lobbyists. They cannot be the spouses of lobbyists or elected officials. There's criteria as to who is eligible. And then there's an interview process, and then they select the commission. And then when they draw the new districts, they start with a clean map. They're given the statistical information that was established by the census, the populations and the ethnicities and all of these things. And then they have guidelines that they have to try to avoid violating or they're liable to be sued. The primary thing they have to take into consideration is is actual political boundaries. So it's very difficult for them to, to divide counties or cities where, where the district goes right down the street or down the railroad tracks or, or something like that. So when you, okay, so when you say political boundaries, you're not talking about where a particular population might lean right or left. You're talking about how do you define political boundaries? County lines, city boundaries, uh, city limits, any other jurisdictional lines that they might reside under townships or whatever it might be they have that has to be the first criteria they have to do everything that they can to avoid divvying up these political communities of interest that are defined by city boundaries or county boundaries now obviously there are counties that that have more people in them to so many that they're going to have multiple representatives there well then they have to be careful about how they split some of these counties like los angeles it has the vast majority of districts I'm, i'm starting to evaluate now what the district's going to look like. This is a map that shows the county of Los Angeles that has a ton of individual districts. And then the next criteria, if they have to violate the political boundaries, is communities of interest. In other words, let's take the the Sierras, for instance. You have people on the western slope of the Sierras that have a different interest than the eastern slope of the Sierras. So they have to kind of take those things into account when having to divide populations in order to to establish new districts. So the net result is, and I'm evaluating what the impact is, that we now have, because they can't take the residents of existing politicians into account, we now have more for Democrats than Republicans, incumbents who are presently serving in the legislature who have been thrown into the same districts. 
So if they want to run for election or re-election, they have to move to another district to run in them. Some of the, the, the Okay, so wait, 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 hold up. You have to, I didn't know this, you have to actually reside in the district that you are going to serve. If you want to run, you have to live there. You have to have a residence there. That is correct for the state legislature. Not true for congressional districts. You don't have to be a resident of a district to run in that district. That causes a lot of shenanigans, of course. But uh, here in the state of California, we have a lot of, it's funny how we have a lot of members of the legislature who live in apartments in their districts when we know that they're fairly well off and they probably don't actually live in those apartments, but those are their registered residences and they spend enough time in there so that they cannot be found guilty of violating those laws. And we've actually had members of the legislature or former members who've actually gone to jail for violating those, those laws. So there's evaluating all of these things, uh, the candidates that are going to run in these districts and multiple candidates who are presently incumbents who are going to be running against each other or moving. So the job of evaluating the elections for California legislature next year is going to be very involved. Do you rate these people as an organization? Do you put a, a rating on them that voters can look at and go, yeah, I don't want to vote for this joker. Or, yes, I want to vote for that one. On our website and in our newsletter, we annually, during an election year, we publish both for the primary and for the general, a rating of candidates. Now, those people that are incumbents, we don't need to send them a questionnaire for them to lie on. We have a voting record, a track record, and that's what we evaluate incumbents on. For all non-incumbents, we will evaluate if they have a track record on a county or a city level. For those people, we send a very involved questionnaire and we have them answer that. And then we will rank that questionnaire and give them a ranking, a rating and publish it so that gun owners will know who the pro 2A people are and who the anti 2A people are. And if people refuse to answer them, we let our folks know. We rate people who choose not to answer as a zero. We default them to be anti Second Amendment, a C minus candidate against a somebody who chooses not to fill out a questionnaire. That is the pro gun candidate that you get to make a choice on in this district. I've been an employer for a long time. When I have somebody come in for an interview, if I ask them questions, they, they don't, they refuse to answer. I'm certainly not going to employ that person. I think we need to get back to reminding ourselves that these politicians are our employees. Absolutely. And if we're going to hire them, then it's incumbent upon them to give us a good solid resume and for them to interview properly so that we can get the questions answered we want answered. And if they refuse to answer them, then why do we hire them? So I agree. If they're not going to answer the stupid questions and you, you give them a questionnaire, they won't answer it. That's a zero. Forget you. I'm not hiring you. Joel, we've even gotten tough here at Gun Owners of California. We used to give, you know, A-plus ratings to rock solid incumbents in particular. We don't do that anymore because a lot of incumbents are have a perfect voting record, but they've never stood up on the floor of the legislature or in committee to protect or defend the Second Amendment. They've never sponsored a program bill knowing that it's going to die, but they've never taken the step to actually put action to their words. And the best they can get is an A or an A minus. And then we have some A-plus candidates. Why are they getting there? Well, they sponsored bills to get rid of micro-stamping. They sponsored bills to fix the concealed carry weapon system and make it shall issue. They sponsored bills to get rid of the ammunition laws. And they are the true heroes. So they get the, they get the support. So a lot of politicians have kind of taken umbrage to that. And people who are pro-2A, 
uh, people, why are you penalizing us? And we say, you know what, because you're a politician and we don't put stake into people. We put stake into the actions that people take. That's what we put our, our emphasis on. And it is what it is. I, I'm sure I've ticked off more politicians and candidates than anybody I can think of. I've been doing this since evaluating candidates since 1980. And um, Well, let me go back to the employee analogy. When I hire an employee, they have a job. There's a job description. They have certain work they need to get done. And they have to get it done in a timely way. They got to get it done in a certain way. And uh, if I'm paying them, then they get to do it the way that we prescribe that they do it. There's some things that I say, well, I don't, you know, I'm not really concerned about the particular manner in which you get it done. I just want, to, want you to get it done. But there are some things that are very critical because we are a state licensed vocational school and they have to be done a certain way because the state requires it to be done a certain way or whatever the case might be. I don't hire employees just to attend a meeting and agree with me. Oh, yeah, I agree. Which is essentially what you've just described. You've got a politician right. who attends a meeting and votes. Well, I agree. I disagree. That's fine, but you have a job to do. Have you done it? Are you fighting for the Second Amendment? Did you sponsor a bill? Did you get on the floor and argue in favor of that bill? Did you get on the floor and argue against a bill that's taking our rights away? Did you do your job? Uh, well, I agreed. I disagree. I voted. I attended the meeting. I'm sorry, that's not good enough. How much do those people make a year? Um, including the tax-free per diem that they receive, the average is, I believe it's up to something like $140,000. Uh, a significant portion of that is tax-free. I think their salary is like approaching $100,000 and then they get $40,000 in tax-free per diem that ostensibly covers their housing costs when they're at the legislature instead of in their districts. Let's call it what it is. They're making two hundred grand a year. Plus, they probably get contributions for their campaign or whatever. And if they play the right games the right way, they get to use that money in certain ways. It's probably legal for them to use. And so they're making a lot of money. They are. I'd love to know what the average family income in the state of California is for, you know, for an average family. And I'd venture to say, or the average individual income, because that's not their family income. That's just what that individual's getting paid. You know, they're getting paid a lot of money. And it's California taxpayers who are paying them. And I think we get to remind ourselves that no, we don't, they're not our leaders. We call them that. They're not our leaders. They are our employees. And we've hired them to do a job. We are their bosses. They're not to go to Sacramento and lord over us. They are to do what they're told. They're supposed to represent our interests. You bet. And that's what they're told to do, which means they're expected to come back to their district and find out what the interests of their employers are and then go up and represent those. What a marvelous concept. <laughs> and they don't do it. No, they don't. And so, you know, as, as employers, we get to hold their feet to the fire by finding out, did they represent our interests or not? Regardless of whether, I don't care if they have a D next to their name or an R next to their name. That doesn't matter to me. I'm a libertarian. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I vote nonpartisan because I vote for the person who's concerned about my liberty and who wants to make the state into the awesome state it ought to be. And if we start viewing it that way, we'll have a different, whole different view of our political employees. I'm not going to call them our political leaders because they're not. Anyway, yeah. there you go. There's my view. So, our founding <laughs> fathers in their wisdom establish a government of the people and by the people for the people and right. that's 
what we have to remember, and that's what we have to fight for. And you're right. I'm with you. 100%. There's a lot more to this interview, so hang in there. I'll be right back. A great way to support Gun Guy TV without costing yourself one red cent is to use our link when you shop on Amazon. Yes, I know that Amazon is not a gun-friendly company. Even so, people shop Amazon anyway, and I have to admit that sometimes I do too. So if you're going to shop Amazon anyway, then at least pick Amazon's pocket a little bit and support Gun Guy TV by using our Amazon link. That way, every time you buy something on Amazon, we get a marketing fee. It costs you absolutely nothing. Just go to our website at gunguy.tv, click on the Amazon banner, and then shop. It's that easy. Shooting straight and always right on target. This is the Gun Guy TV Podcast. This whole election is going to be interesting, I think, at the end of the year, because I'm interested to see how the political winds and have changed the thinking process of Californians or, or whether it has or not, because you've got a rising populism in the country and you've got a, a number of demographic groups that used to be very firmly in the, in the Democratic Party column, which are now in many ways shifting more toward the Republican column. And then you've also got this mass exodus out of California. I was reading a story online somewhere, I think maybe it was on the Fox News website or Newsmax or something, that U-Haul cannot keep up with the one-way trucks and trailers leaving California going to other states like Texas because they go out one way and then they have to get somebody coming back in order to have a trailer to rent again and the trailers never come back and the trucks never come back because they only go one way. Nobody's coming into California, at least not in the same numbers as they are leaving. And so one wonders, in addition to things like the snatch and grabs which are going on, the the craziness happening up in, happening up in the L.A. Uh, area and the San Francisco area because of the defund the police and the DAs funded by Soros who don't want to prosecute anybody. Californians are got to be getting tired of this. Are we seeing any kind of a political wind change that might help us in our Second Amendment fight? I believe that we are. And you have to look closely to it. Sometimes the media inadvertently steps into it and kind of gives us a glimpse into that. When you have a bastion of liberalism like Beverly Hills, where residents of Beverly Hills are buying guns in record numbers. Producers, actors, people who work in the film industry, wealthy business people who live in Beverly Hills. There is one gun store in Beverly Hills, and they are being inundated by the pressure to, to sell guns to, to people. Um, you know, that's so, it's very telling for before you go on, because yeah. if there was only one gun store there, that's probably because there wasn't much of a demand for firearms before. If very there's a demand, so. then the, the market will fill the demand and there would have been many more gun stores. You're talking about one gun store in Beverly Hills is probably because most of the people in Beverly Hills didn't want a gun previously. Yeah. Am I right? Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. A gun, a gun store is pretty regional in, in their business model. They service a particular area. You don't typically hear people coming from Sacramento to go to a, to a gun store in Bakersfield because, no, they go to their local gun stores in order to avail themselves of what they need. So, yeah, that's, but that's a very telling signal. And I believe that it is no longer a difference between a Democrat and a, and a Republican issue. It is becoming an issue that goes 
completely across the political spectrum, uh, crosses and erases the political lines because we have so many people buying guns in the state of California and it is impossible for them to be all of the conservative Republicans doing that because they already have them. <laughs> you know, I, I read some of the other, you can confirm this for me, I guess, if it's true. I read somewhere the other day that there are more gun owners in the state of California than in any other state in the United States. Is that true? I believe that to be true. We are the most populous state and, you know, we have 30, 40% of our population are gun owners. That's millions and millions of people who are gun owners in the state of California. Many of them are first-time gun owners. The majority of the first-time gun owners are women. And if you take a look at the first-time gun owners, the majority of them are African-American and Hispanic origin. Those were bastions of the liberal left, those demographics. Well, on this issue, which is becoming so important that people have dropped political perspectives on guns that they've held their entire lifetimes and have decided that they need to become legal gun owners and they are buying guns. We know that they are inundating training operations throughout the state of California. You talk to any trainer uh, for firearms, for you know gun safety and basic pistol or rifle or shotgun uh, training classes. All of the folks that I talk to, they're booked up. They have plenty of people who are seeking these types of training programs in order to become uh, trained in the use of firearms in their own homes. Unfortunately, I've run out of time for this part of the podcast. Now, I do want to let you know, don't worry. If you're getting into this interview, just hang in there because the next podcast is going to have the remainder of the interview free of charge. I've just broken it into two sections, a part one, which you just listened to, and part two, which will be in the next podcast episode. In the meantime, I'm going to move on to the second subject matter in our podcast, which is the second half an hour of this one. That's available to Gun Guy TV crew only. And what I'm going to discuss there is the fact that the Second Amendment is more than just self-defense. Gun ownership involves more than just protecting yourself. It's a part of our culture as a nation, and we've lost a lot of that, but we have 18 some odd million new gun owners just from the year 2021. I'm going to talk about how to involve them in shooting and enjoying shooting as part of the American culture. We're going to discuss that in the second part of the podcast. So if you're on Gun Guy TV crew, either on Patreon or locals, stick with me because you're already in the right place. If you're not part of Gun Guy TV crew and you're listening to this podcast on your favorite podcast player, then I urge you to join the crew. You can do so by going to GunGuyTVCrew.com. And in the meantime, wherever you go, whatever you do, stay safe. You've been listening to the Gun Guy TV podcast. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.